You must remember this A kiss is just a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by Of all the podcasts in all the web You chose to listen to mine it again, Sam. The world will always welcome lovers as time goes by. Hello and welcome again to Marlow FM. My name's Sam Sethi and thank you for joining us on my show today is my guest, Hannah Power. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Let me give you a little bit of background on Hannah. Hannah is a personal branding specialist. She's also got a jewellery company, and she's also the daughter of two very famous guests of mine in the past, uh, Penny and Thomas Powell. But we're going to find out about your parents as well, but uh, it's not about them today. It's about you. So as a personal branding specialist, Hannah, what is a personal branding specialist? Uh, Firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Um, so I guess the definition of a personal branding specialist probably isn't um, there probably isn't one definition. I think there's not many of us out there. Um, probably a term you know partially coined by somebody and then um, kind of adapted for for whoever uh, you know feels that that's their calling. So for me, what a personal branding specialist does is work with um, people who are experts and um, very skilled and very passionate about what they do who want to level up to the next stage and become known for that thing that they are best at and that thing that they want to contribute um, and do for the world so there's a a, a kind of a thought that personal branding is around you know like LinkedIn profiles and and CVs and for me it's it's not that so for me personal branding is about how do you show up online and how can you be the best leader and the best um, person to inspire your audience Uh, so that's what I do I work with my clients to basically get clarity on on themselves on their purpose and on their 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 one thing on their niche and then bring that to life through through content through uh, social media through all these different amazing op- uh, channels that we have online yeah simon simon sinek talks about you know finding your why yeah um so i guess it's around finding that thing that makes you special that that one thing that's true to you through your time is that how you look at personal branding yeah so um i absolutely love simon sinek's work and uh i actually start my program by going through his find your why process that's actually the first thing i do with my clients after we've kind of done discovery and looked at their goals and their their overall kind of reasons for doing this i then look at finding their why which is very much their purpose their contribution that they want to make on you know as they're here on their time yeah. on um, time on earth so we definitely start with that um, and understanding what that deep core contribution is that you want to make uh, that kind of big picture and then we kind of niche that picture down into more of a how are you actually going to bring that to life and how are you going to deliver it because your why is usually quite big picture it's quite you know it's, an, it's, it's why you're here it's an overall thing it's everything you're going to be living and breathing every day hopefully if you're living a, a purposeful life so we then look at how we can bring that to life through a brand um and what is the, what is the delivery of that? What is that going to look like? So absolutely, I think starting with why and starting with your purpose is in, crucial before you start building out a brand to ensure you're building a brand in line with who you are and what you want to do. Because if you don't, it's going to be hard for you to succeed. Okay, so I've got two very quick questions to start off with. What yeah. is your why? 
So my why is about inspiring people to live a life of fulfillment so that we can create a more positive world. So for me, fulfillment meaning doing what you love, doing what you're best at and doing something that contributes to the world. For me, that's what fulfillment is. The people that live these lives of, you know, true joy and true happiness, which is happiness is fleeting. Fulfillment is forever are doing are in line with those three things. So mine's about inspiring people to live a life of that so that we can generally lift up the the positivity of this world. I think, you know, if we were all more in line with with that, I think the world would be a much better place. So oh. that's what I feel that my that my why is. Cool. You've done it in exactly the perfect way that Simon Seenan does it. To the contribution so that the impact. Yes, and that's that's exactly the way that I the the, the I, I mean, there's no point, you know, when you when you start something you know, you do something yourself. There's no point uh, trying to make up your own version if somebody else's version is so good. There's a lot of my program, which is, you know, totally me and the things I've created. But I think that in terms of understanding your purpose and understanding your why and looking at what you really believe to be true, I think Simon's the best, which is why I speak it the way Simon speaks it. And as to all my clients, because we're all, um, you know, we start with Simon, essentially. <laughs> That's not a bad place to start. No, then, absolutely obviously. not. Um, okay, so you, you talk about a process, a six step process yeah. can you talk us through what that process is the six steps yeah absolutely um so i guess before i kind of um go into that i suppose it's probably worth just looking at sort of the overall outcomes of what you want to get to okay. so um, i created this process because i looked at what successful personal brands do and successful online leaders are doing and then worked backwards from from there okay, just just on that point give me some examples of some successful personal brand leaders that you look up to or, or admire sure um so again this is quite subjective this is obviously my my opinion of the people that i particularly follow these aren't the only people i studied when looking at what makes a successful brand but for me um a few of my favorites um at the moment would be um gabby bernstein who is a life and spiritual sort of coach in the states um Russell Brunson, who is an entrepreneur in the States, who has the biggest non-VC funded software as a service company in the world. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, I absolutely, I think he's got a fantastic brand, truly authentic and truly out people focused. Uh, Tony Robbins, I love his brand. I love that he is, you know, he's true to himself and that he's built that tribe of people that are really, you know, changing. He's really changing lives just now, just through being who he is and to me that's what makes a, a what makes a, a powerful brand so those are probably a few of my favorites at the moment and they all happen to be american yes so why I, yeah it's a it's a very um good question because i am a extremely proud brit absolutely i i've lived abroad and i you know i, I love being english i love coming to england i love being in england even when it's raining i love england but for me, I think in England, uh, you know, we have a lot of the, the we have the great sides of being English, like the fact that we are extremely funny and, and all of these kinds of things. But I think we have a few things that we picked up, you know, from previous generations around um, uh, fear-based beliefs in terms of who we are as people. And we definitely, I think we hold a lot of ourselves in out of fear, fear of what other people think, fear of it not being right, fear of stepping out above the above the you know that tall poppy syndrome i think we live in this in this sort of fearful state of of you know if i stand up i will be attacked and because that is often what happens because we are in a fearful state but i think in the states um i don't know i don't really know why but i think that they a lot of their brands don't necessarily have that they have 
evolved past that potentially to um, to be truer to themselves, to live that truth, to to stand up and and be who they are. And by doing that, I think they inspire other people to do the same. And that's what I would want to build a brand at that's truly in line with myself, not worried about what other people think, what other people might do. Because if it's the truth, then it must be right because it's my truth. And some people are going to love that and some people aren't going to like that. But as long as I'm living my truth, then to me, that's that's the right, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think putting your head above the parapet is, you know, something we'll, we'll talk about later because I've yeah. done that all my life. And sometimes it's been shot down, and, but many times it's been by the seat of my pants quite successful. Yeah. Um, now... You talked about tribes, finding a tribe. A friend of mine who was on the show a couple of weeks back, Tiffany St. James, she's building her personal brand at the moment. Yeah. And she was told that she hasn't got a tribe. She hasn't... She's, so she created a Facebook group called mm-hmm. the Consultancy Club to, to start to form her tribe. Is that important as a starting point, do you think? Trying to find your tribe, the people you work talk to and work with or is that... Yes, yeah, so... Or is that a natural evolution? It will come anyway. No, so when I build a brand... We spend, I would say, out of the entire program, probably the first 20% of it focused on the brand, the person. Um, The rest of it is not about them at all. It's about the audience that they serve. And if you aren't serving an audience, then you don't have a brand. I like that, serving an audience. Yeah, so for me, a true brand is a leader. It is serving an audience. If it's not, it's not a brand. That's where people get confused by this you know, oh, I don't like doing this because it's self-promotional. And I'm like, it's not so self-promotional. You have a, we all have a unique gift, a unique skill. It is our duty to share that with people and to stand up and be that leader. So you should start with your tribe. You should start with your audience and work backwards. And anytime that I work with somebody who isn't succeeding with their brand, it's because they lack clarity, first of all, in terms of their purpose, their vision. What is this whole thing about? and because they don't know who they're serving. And if you can get those two things right, that's where the magic really starts to happen. And that's what most of my program, you know, a big chunk of it, before we move into building the brand and what are we going to put on social media and all of these things, we start there because you can't build the house without the foundations. And if you launch into social media, you launch into creating videos, you get bored, no one's interested in them. You get, after a couple of weeks, you're thinking, well, this isn't working. I'm going to give up here. This is not for me. You blame the world. I hate social media. I do this. I do that. If you flip it round and you look at getting clarity on your big picture, your purpose, and then who you serve... It's a game changer. No, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I've just done my why. Yeah, um, good. And, and it's still not public domain yet, so don't ask me what my why is Yeah, yet. it doesn't have to be. It's a, it's a personal thing. No, I'm, I, I want to make it a public thing. Okay. I, I, I threw it out to a few friends to get their, their feedback on it. You know, am I close to my why or am I miles away from it? Um, it's interesting. I'm working on it. It's not quite refined, but I like the other part. The serving the audience I like that I'll add that to what I'm doing yeah and I would say in terms of getting other people to review your why that's fantastic however if you aren't already living your true truth they might not think your why is right well I think I am living it well it's that's just fine then. no I'm not it. saying you I'm saying others I know okay potentially that's... you could find your purpose run it by everyone you know and they could say well that's not you and that might be because you're not really being the true you okay I get that yeah no I can and I think it's worth passing that now look this week uh, Fast Company uh, put out a uh, article and it's it's you are not a brand yeah it's the article in Fast Company um, it was put out on the 8th Sorry, the 6th of this month. Yep. Sorry, it's an American. 08, 06, 19. I just get really annoyed with the Americans. Um, And it says, 
it starts off with, say the term personal brand. Go ahead, I dare you. It's cringeworthy, right? I yeah. feel dirty just typing it. Yeah. And it goes on and, and, and actually... The I other, actually read it. Yeah, and it talks about ethos. And I, I couldn't... I, had to, I wrote an article back to a closed group of friends and I went, no, 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 no. If I'm going to do anything, I want a personal brand. That Everyone understands what that means. Saying I have my personal ethos, I'd spent hours trying to explain what the hell I was trying to say, first of all, before I could even say it. Can I be honest? I yeah. actually got very excited when I saw that article, um, which is weird because it obviously starts basically saying that everything I do and have done for a while and I'm committing basically a large portion of my life of is cringy and rubbish. Yeah. It's weird that I actually saw that as very exciting because to Why? me, <laughs> because to me, once people, because when people start to have an opinion, which is a contrarian opinion, that's when it's actually getting out there. Because people are actually taking the time to, to actually talk about the bad sides of it, not just listening, going, oh, yeah. Because when people don't care, they don't have an opinion. They just go, yeah, whatever, personal brand, whatever. When people actually start to have an opinion, that means it's getting more into our normal conversation about having this. And people start to have the alternatives. Do you know what I mean? When social media first came out, it was, nobody was... When, it first, when you first made a Facebook account, however many years ago, no one really cared. Now it's like there are people that dedicate their whole lives to like the overthrow of Facebook because it's that big. It's having that much of an impact. So to me, I see it as exciting that people are starting to see, to question these things. I think that's cool. I think the article has been written by the people that I mentioned before who see personal branding as self-promotional, not as an opportunity to lead an audience and build a tribe and share a message. So yeah, it's just that's... a misunderstanding of what the term means. And that's why I'm not mad on that term because personal branding is misunderstood. That term is misunderstood. It's definitely seen in a corporate environment as being thrown around as a way of sort of leveraging yourself up the ladder. It's definitely seen, I agree, in a way that's been misappropriated for what it truly is, which is literally the brand of you in terms of you as a person stepping up as a leader and leading. So, but, but look, personal branding isn't new in the sense that celebrities have had yeah. personal brands, right? Um, you know, you can go back as far as, you know, I'll give you an example. You won't even know. Uh, it was an actor called Rock Hudson. He was, he was famously gay. Oh, right? you can go back further than that. Jesus had a personal brand. Okay, I mean... <laughs> right, okay. We're really pushing this one. Yeah, but... Julius Caesar, here we come. Yeah, it's true. That, that's exactly what that was. Yeah. So personal brands have been around a long yeah. time. And I was, I was going to say, giving the example of Rock Hudson, who was, uh, came out at, towards the end of his career as one of the first openly gay actors. Mm. But he was seen as a leading man with Dorothy Day yeah. and, and all that. And so he wasn't authentic. His personal brand was a veneer in yeah. the front. And I think rolling it back to today, I look at the Kardashians, who I hate with a passion. I don't get them. I don't get their reasoning that they exist for what I don't know, um, apart from self-promotion and money. Mm -hmm. and I can't see anything beyond that. Um, I look at Love Island and I think, look at those, and I just go, oh, please do not. If this is the future of the youth, we are so, yeah. so in trouble. I was going to say something else. And... So those are really bad examples for me. Yeah. When I, I look at influencers, you know, there's so many kids, and I say kids because I'm an old man, who are on Instagram who go, I've got 50 followers or 1,000 followers, or whatever the number may be, 10,000 yeah. followers. I'm an influencer, therefore that's my person. And they spend all their life just focusing on that one thing. Yeah. But it hasn't got a purpose. There's no why to it. Yeah. Um, so, and then I look at the examples you give, you know, Gary Vee um, and other people, and they are, and I've got a lot of other examples I could give as well, of people who are, again, authentic, 
Simon Sinek's a really good example. He's fantastic, yeah. Um, I mean, Stephen Fry is one of my heroes with yeah. a personal brand. I mean, Absolutely. You know, you know there's, there's a lot of people. Scott Galloway is a great guy at the moment. If you've never followed his podcast, I would recommend it. So how do you differentiate between that sort of snowflake-type, lightweight, veneered brand and an authentic, deep brand? How can you... Because on, on social media, you can just look at people and it's just a game of numbers. How do, yeah. you, how do you get the difference? So... It all comes down to the reason you're doing it and where that's coming from, whether that's coming from a place of love and contribution or a place of fear and comparison. And unfortunately, we live in a world that's been built around fear. So everything is going to, all the things that we've got are going to be used in that way. We we are coming from a place of fear as a world. We have built that world. So we can't expect things to be put out there and not used in the way in that same way the only way that we can combat that is by coming from a place of love and truth and being the change that we want to see in those places so i agree that um there are absolute negatives in terms of social media and branding absolutely 100 percent i've there of course there are um but there's lots of positives but there are a lot of positives and even you know the fact that i spend very little time defending it because i'm not interested in even entering that realm because why do we always have to see things fill the negatives why can't we just focus on the positives you focus on something positively enough it's literally been proven by like physics that if you focus on something that's positive if you stare at a plant and you hope it will die it will die if you stare at a plant and hope it will grow it will grow Mm. so why don't we just park all these negatives and be the change that we want to see and build the positive and be the positive brands i'm so with you so in terms of what separates people all it is is that people are taking fear-based beliefs and putting them online and that is obviously going to create a negative a negative online world. Yeah. So the difference is, is where they're coming from. And that's something we need to look at as a society, not as a personal branding person. That's a societal issue yeah. that we live in a state of fear and comparison. Yeah, now I just wanted to go those people, because a lot of people will ask you, well, aren't they just personal brands? Katie Price, for example. Isn't that just a personal brand? Her books, her things. Yeah, but just you like know. anything, there's good and bad of everything. Exactly. So, you know, there's good and bad politicians, there's good and bad actors, there's good and bad everything. And that why would the personal branding space be any different? Okay, so let's start with some positives then. So when should somebody start their personal brand? At what age do you think somebody should? Any age? Does it matter? I mean, should my daughters be starting to think of a personal brand? Is, is personal branding short-term for reputation? No, I mean, in all honesty, I think... We live in a world now where you have one, whether you like it or not, even if you don't have one. That means you have one because you're somebody who isn't available on isn't available online, which is going to have an impact on your life, whether you like it or not. So it's actually gone past the should or shouldn't you, because if you don't, you have anyway. Because right. if you apply for a job and you somebody let's give an example of a job um for a, that, that level of personal branding not somebody who wants to maybe be an entrepreneur or whatever and you've got two people you google one of them nothing comes up you google the other one and they're sharing content about the thing they're passionate about which is the job they're applying for you're going to pick that person yes so it's actually doing yourself a disservice by not having it anyway so you can opt out and i say to people all the time 
I, I'm not somebody, I'm never going to push my opinions on people. I don't enjoy debates. I'm never interested in that. So when people try to push me, I say, don't, don't worry then. Absolutely, I'm not going to push you to do it. That's absolutely fine. When you actually break down the nitty gritty of why they do or don't, it's usually the reason that they don't want to is usually a story they've created because they don't truly understand what it is. It usually comes down to confidence, why people don't do it, is that they're not confident that they actually have something to say or they're not sure what that is. So should everybody, I absolutely think that if you're somebody who is skilled and passionate and wants to have a fantastic life and future and start having a positive impact on the world, you should create, start your personal brand, start focusing in on it. So if you hit that criteria, then absolutely. No, and I think, you know, again, it's something that I've only recently got into as a conscious thing to do rather than a subconscious thing. Because, I mean, like your mum and dad, I've been around the industry for 25 plus years and and you know i've had my ups and downs and there's been moments when running netscape i was on every front page of every Mm -hmm. you know it rag and then there's days when i've been on the front page of twitter for the wrong reasons so uh (laughs) i've been in a twitter storm and yeah so so at the end of the day i never really thought about my personal brand but i have only started since obviously thinking about what i'm doing now um but also what i want to achieve um and i've thought Actually, after reading Simon's books and reading other articles, I've started to hone it down. So, yeah, I like the idea of a personal brand. And it's crucial to be conscious. You know, we so much of our lives are unconscious and you need to be conscious as a creator. Absolutely. By putting the things out there that you want to put out there, making sure they're going out up there for the right reasons. Every time you post something, why am I posting it? Is this coming from a place of love or a place of fear, a place of good or a place of bad? But we also need to be conscious consumers. Nobody else has the control to decide who you do or don't follow or what you do or don't read. So if there are things on your social media feed or coming into your phone that make you feel whatever, there is no need for those things to be there. Updating privacy settings and unfollowing people is not complicated. I'm not going to teach people how to do that. (laughs) But it is crucial. You can't put it always on everybody else. You have to be a conscious consumer. I do not go on my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed or my LinkedIn feed and feel rubbish about myself. I feel inspired. I feel excited. Because I've chosen to unfollow the people that don't bring that to my life. Take take the negative out. Yeah, Yeah. well, why wouldn't you? I mean, why wouldn't we do that? Why would we do that to ourselves? No, I've I've, I've even gone to the extent of blocking certain people who are very negative, such as Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, it's like standing out in the rain and wondering why you're getting wet. It's like, if you're going to follow people, you need to be more conscious. If you're following things that are making you feel bad, unfollow them. You know, we've got these huge, very dramatic social media blackouts. People are having to literally, like treat their phones like they're trying to quit smoking by block putting their phones in a drawer giving them to their mums and saying don't give it back to me 48 hours there are retreats being set up which is like a phone detox mm-hmm. you're paying money to have a break from your phone i mean we've lost complete reality of <laughs> of who's in the driver's seat of our own lives yeah, exactly yeah, it's you, completely you don't crazy. have to pick the phone up if you don't want to no and if you're and you need to get but we need to get con- but it's about being conscious of that people don't even realize the patterns they're in because it's so unconscious yeah. we've got to find a conscious way of doing this and that comes down to every single aspect of what we do yeah i mean a lot of the way that social media is designed actually and it's been well documented is it's designed to be addictive absolutely uh, so is cigarettes so is alcohol yeah and th- th- there is a big call around the fact that should we should we start making i don't know uh you know the age where you get social media slightly higher it's like saying here's the drinks cabinet kids you're 13 crack on oh 
look, you're all drunk and you're all ill. How did that happen? Because we're not teaching them how to properly use it. Yeah. So it's on us. Yeah. It's always on someone. Do you know what I mean? It's not been dropped from the sky for us to just handle. There's always stuff that can be done. And, and, and lots of positive things are addictive. People get addicted to healthy eating. People get addicted to going to the gym too much. Everything that's positive can be turned into a negative if it's not managed properly. Yes. So you're probably the first generation, actually, who's gone through the social media cycle. I mean, probably me and your mum and dad are because we're, we're, we're entrepreneurs and we're, we're techies. But I could look at lots of my peers in my own age group who are, who are I'd say, technically unsavvy, who, who just use social media very rap, uh, badly, let's say. And so they couldn't teach their kids how to use it correctly. I think you're probably the first generation that's gone through that full cycle. Yeah, but we do have schools. Yeah, but schools teach it by peer pressure. Right. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So we do have a place to teach kids. Yeah, but it's not from the adults. So it's like saying... Yeah, but we could be teaching it in school. Oh, no, you can't, because the, the, the teachers aren't of that generation. That's what I'm trying to say. They're the generation Yes, but if you. I was invited into a school, I would go in and talk to the kids. And they won't listen. Yeah, so what I'm saying... Yeah, so what you're, you're just... Get, yeah, that's all just problems, not solutions. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the solution. What I'm trying to say is I think social media is a wonderful tool, but I think what we've done is we've... We've opened Pandora's box as well, and we just haven't... It, it's going to take a time to control and manage how we use social media, just in the same way we learnt... If you look at back in the 1950s, the smoking ads, every... It was cool to smoke. It was every man, woman and child practically smoked, right? And then we realised the negative sides of it, and now we're closing it down a bit. Yeah. Social media has a lot of positives, but it has a lot of negatives. Oh, look, we'll, we'll move on to much more positive things. It's just this one bit. Snapchat, I absolutely detest because um, my daughter is 14 and the amount of bullying that's going on on Snapchat... Yeah, I can imagine. You know, because it, it, it's the fit and forget, you know, take a photo, say something rude, and it's gone. So Yeah, and I, and I couldn't agree more that we are at risk of all of this technology coming in. Every single day we're at risk of AI taking our jobs and blockchain doing this, and this is just one of the many technologies of which we are at risk of, just that we're at risk of climate change, just that we're at risk of all of these things. So it needs to be treated in the same way that we have to learn learn it and adapt adapt that, to it. That's what I think we're doing. Yeah, and I think that and I think that is really crucial. But I think a great way that you can do that instead of just instilling the negatives, it's always negatives. Why don't you play up the positives and teach them how to use things well? Yeah. If you teach kids how to drink properly, they don't become alcoholics. Exactly. You know, there is there is an there is an alternative way which doesn't just involve telling people not to do it. You know, if you tell kids to be abstinent those are often the kids that go and have the most sex for example do you know what i mean like there are other ways that we can communicate and do things with people which don't just involve no 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 yeah that involve reframing it and teach people how to use it positively yeah i know and that's what parenting should be and I, i'm just saying that i think yeah. we, we've gone through a cycle of we we fundamentally were learning on the job what social media was yeah and now we've we're beginning to realize its impact positive and negative and, and how to manage it but what i find amazing is that parents are going oh yes this social media thing is awful and i hear it all the time like i i, I live you won't with, hear that from me i hear this like i lived with my auntie um, for a couple of months and she's got a 13 year old son and all of their mums i would often hear them talking about social media and pushing me on questions like this um because they know what i do but then giving their kids iPads and the internet. So I'm like, 
blaming it but giving it to them i'm like how about we reframe this and look at look at this it's just it seems to be such a a weird way to look at things in my opinion i go back to my point i think your generation will have gone through and lived it when you have your children it won't be oh well what do you know because a lot of the children look at their parents my age group parents Mm. And they're not savvy. They're not tech savvy. And they look at them and go, you don't know what you're doing. How many times do we hear the, oh, look, get the kids to sort out the remote control. Get which the kids is, to sort out the internet. Yeah, which is why, to me, personal branding makes me so excited because my whole goal, what I want to achieve over the next five, ten years, is creating as many positive role models who are purpose-driven, who are inspiring, who are honest, who are truthful, who are authentic, building brands, and building that to be in so if they're on the phones at least put the good stuff on it and if you can build enough positivity you can move the online world to a place of love not fear then it doesn't matter that they're on social media because they're going to be seeing great stuff okay so let's go through so personal branding you've got six steps let's go through it okay cool so um yeah, I suppose six steps sounds a little bit like reduction of what it is, but we have six yeah core modules that we work through. Uh, the first one, um, they all start with a C. So the first one is clarity. So that's where we look at the, the really big picture of, of the brand and of the person. So we start right at their core. What is their, their purpose, You know, their why that we discussed before? And that does involve going basically right back through your life. It can be quite an emotional um, experience for some of my clients as we go back and looking at their their purpose and looking at their timeline of all the things that have happened in their lives then we look at um their mission you know how they're going to bring that to life their values their tone and their style which is quite a fun activity um so that's the clarity that's a big picture then we move on to credibility so credibility is looking at the i suppose the more the smaller picture of you what do you like what do you not like what are you good at what are you not good at what are your experiences qualifications what um you know, what is your one thing? What are the thing? What's the thing that lights you up? So getting real clarity on that. Um, and then after that, we then, we've got a good picture of who that person is in terms of uh, what their, you know, what their thing is and, and what they're about. And then we basically, essentially, as I said, we basically park the person and we move to the audience. So the next module is called customer. And that doesn't necessarily mean customer as in obviously a brand isn't about selling, but I call it a customer because I think if you treat your audience as a customer, and you treat your your customers audiences and you treat your audience as a customer um you're going to treat them with a huge amount of respect and value and they you deserve they deserve that i mean if someone's going to give you their time to follow you that's a responsibility so we look at them and we basically work out you know who is their their ideal audience and we basically understand who that is we and then we go away and my uh, research them so they're out doing my clients are out doing surveys and interviews and actually understanding their audience what are their most importantly what are their pain points what are their what are their dreams and what are their their desires you know what are they struggling with or what do they want to achieve and then we can build a brand you can get clarity of the niche because you've got the purpose you've got what they're good at what they love and then you've got what the world needs and that to me is a very strong niche so that's the first kind of three parts uh, the three, first three modules and i say the first sort of third probably of the program the final three are around communication so getting real clarity on your message and how are you going to get that across there's a fantastic quote um, that says a confused mind always says no and it's our job to communicate very clearly what we do and why we do it and who we do it for in as least amount of time as possible and if you can't explain what you do in a sentence, um, if 
and you're not going to grab any, you know, grab anyone's attention as well, they... Well, it's the same when you go and pitch for a startup, right? If you can't say what your company does in one sentence, yeah. the VC is not going to listen. Yeah, exactly. So what we do is we work through five core messages that you, I believe that you need. Um, so there's, you know, there's core messages that you might say if you were at out in public or introducing yourself something like this and then you would have taglines for social media um, you'd have a clarity of your story um, and there's a few other other things that you would do that you would create just to make sure that you've got real it's very clear no matter where they where people view you online exactly what it is that you do and they can grab it in one second um, I read this fantastic stat the other day that um, goldfish have eight second attention span and an online human sorry what did you say again <laughs> <laughs> and a person, a human now has seven online. Really? So we now have a lower attention span than a goldfish. So if we can't clearly communicate in seconds as people are scrolling through their feed to grab their attention, that they go, oh, hey, that's me. Oh, hey, you know, that's my challenge. And oh, I should follow that person. And that's where I should be going. We're not doing a very good job because no one's going to hunt for us. Um, and we need to make sure that we're not being general you know i'm an entrepreneur i'm a coach i mean how many of those are there what about what you do why you do it who you do it for so we build basically very short messages to get that out there and it's really really important to get that right um after communication we move into content and channels so content obviously is your content strategy that's your you know what are you going to say your big picture content blogs videos podcasts how are you going to get this message out there what are you going to create um and then you we look at the two sides of content so creation so that's the kind of shiny edited stuff you know edited blogs and filmed things for youtube that have been cropped down and edited and then documented content which is um an extremely powerful way as we're all seeing over the last few years of facebook lives and stories and bringing that authentic side of the real person you know Women, for example, we often, you know, we do our created content with all our makeup on and we look all perfect. And then actually what people want is the documented stuff, the real stuff. You know, when you're being honest, when you've, you know, you're from the gym and you've got a passionate moment and um, looking at how we can utilize both of those types of content to um, to, to engage our audience and to get our, our message out there. And then we look at channels. So um, channels basically being, you know, where are you going to put that message and so social media is obviously one of those but there's plenty of other places that you can put your message out there you've got business platforms like linkedin you've got um content specific platforms youtube and medium which is the the youtube of blogs essentially um out in you can build a brand simply by you know being in places like you are here writing publications or being you know, um, on shows, you know, build a brand completely in that way. Uh, so looking at what is the channel to market going to be for you? And it doesn't just have to be social media. There are other ways to build a brand. And we then build out a social media strategy for most people, because that is what they want and how we're going to get that message out there in a consistent way and build out a 90 day plan for that. Um, so that you know what you're posting and when, what you need to create and when, and then we move finally into the final module, which is connect, which is how you're going to connect with your audience long term. So Russell Brunson, who, um, as I mentioned, is one of my favorite entrepreneurs, talks about we have traffic, we, um, we have traffic we earn, traffic we control and traffic we own. Traffic we earn is traffic which we we earn organically so it's not ours but we can go and for example here you've invited me here and this is traffic now that's yours that i'm earning by being here you can also have traffic you control so that's like paid advertising so yeah. mark zuckerberg owns an audience and we can then we can all pay to be 
to see get a bit of his audience right and then you basically move traffic you earn and traffic you control into traffic you own and that's when you then own that traffic you can directly communicate with those people they're in an emailing list they're in a facebook group they're on they're a, your tribe they're your tribe exactly and that's what that final module is connect with your tribe and it's really important that we do do that because we don't just you know we we need to, to build a brand we've got to move up a level from just followers to real kind of advocates and that's what a tribe is you want people to be like oh yeah you should follow this person or this is really good and they're sharing your content they're advocating you and that's what connect is really about and we also look at and connect um face to face so what can you do to connect with your audience face to face you know obviously personal branding is great it's all online but there's a lot of stuff offline that we can do to build a brand speaking events podcasts like this you know what can you do that gets you out in your yeah, audience you face to did face a tedx didn't you tedx exactly so tedx is a fantastic platform to build a brand on because you are going out as an expert in your niche you have to be extremely niche to get the talk because when you apply you have to be very specific and you then have got that credibility that you've done that talk people can connect with your message in a different way so connect us all around that and then the final the final thing we look at, the final C, is around your collateral. So it's not really one of the six Cs. It's sort of like the secret seventh C, <laughs> which is around the actual tangible stuff that you need. So you're, you know, a strong personal brand, a powerful personal brand has got logos. It's got social media headers. It's got, yeah, it's got real, it's treated as a, as a you know, as a brand. Yeah. Um, so we look at that and, and I build my designer um, who's heavenly designer called Chris um, who works uh, with me and he builds out the visual side of their logos their style guides and then maybe they might need a website or they might need um, I don't know any brochure or whatever it might be depending on the person and quality collateral is really really important because we have a, a psychological thing where when we see something when we turn something from words into more of a product, you put a logo behind it, we perceive it as being more real. Yep. And it's really, really important that you honour yourself by having that. And that's why I put it at the final stage there. You, you honour yourself by saying, you know, this is me, this is my message. And it gives us a sense of, wow, this is a real thing. Like, I'm really doing something here. Um, so that's the final thing is your collateral and having quality collateral that really, really reflects you. Yeah, and I, and I love that. I, I was quiet in that because I wanted to hear what you had to say. Okay, good. Um, and I, I really appreciate lo- that. No, I, I really love that because it, it's if you if you again you look at Simon Sinek, he's at ten thousand feet, you know, and then you look at his new book, The Infinite uh, Game, and it's it's all about the long term. But the detail is very hard to find. And I love how you've broken that down into some tangible detail. Yeah, and it's interesting you just said that because that concept is what a lot of people struggle with is this concept of, I don't I don't want to be this niche, I want to be broader. But if you look at Simon as a fantastic example, Simon is and will always be, oh, that start with why guy? Because that is what he was known for. That's what he built his brand on. Yeah. That was his niche. He went over and over again with the same sentence. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. He said it over and over again. He talked the same talk over and over again for years and years and years. He created books, online programs. He created content. He was going on podcasts, talks, anything he could because he built his brand on a very clear niche for a very specific audience. Once he's built it, the sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want after that. You can write well, whatever you want. I think he's finding, as in the musical term, he's finding the second album the hard one to do. Absolutely. And it is. It is going to be hard to do because you're stepping up a layer. I call it the the, the, the sort of the niche pyramid or the niche steps. You're, you're going up. So you start very niched at 
very, very specific. And as you build a brand, you can broaden, but then you're pushing yourself into the unknown again. And that's, you've got to redo the whole thing again yeah. because your audience is, is broadening. Your communication is broadening. So really for my program, I would say that really, I say to my clients, once you've done this for probably about 18 months to two years, because it does take that long to build a proper brand. I'm not talking right. one of these overnight like Love Island influence. I'm talking about, you know, a proper brand of, of skill and passion and a yeah. message for the world. Um, after two years, you might, you might be in a totally different, ready to go into a totally different space and broaden yourself out. So for me at the moment, I'm all about personal branding. But, you know, my next broaden will be more just generally around entrepreneurs having more impact. And I'll look at, I'll bring in, you know, some life coaching elements, some more kind of um, general entrepreneurial training, and I'll broaden myself. And then I'll have to go into the unknown all over again. Right. And I'd probably redo my whole program again for myself. So it's not like it's one and done. You're not stuck as that person forever. Yeah, but a lot of people do get stuck in that one and done rut. Yes, because you've got to you've got to accept that just because you've hit that first level, you've got to relearn. If you think about, I don't know, a footballer, when he goes up the league table, he starts right at the bottom when he gets to that next team. He has to re redevelop. He has to become a better footballer because he's now in a place where he's with people that are better than him and yeah. he's got to rebuild his his brand his skill yeah and it's the same it's exactly the same thing when you're building a brand online so okay let's take a look at some of these um clarity credibility customer i get that yeah so i and i you know if i was looking at you i think i understand those terms you know for you already um i was interested though and let's talk about content and channels so what sort of content do you put out currently to enhance your personal brand how how do you sit down as hannah you know and go right this is the sort of stuff i want to put out what, yeah what are you putting out there right now so um because i did my my survey of my customer interesting um which was in that customer module i have surveyed and i constantly ask my audience as often as i can you know what what are your goals and what are you struggling with and i'm always updating my content strategy based on the problems uh, or the dreams that they've got and making sure that I'm creating content that solves that problem. So there are some kind of exercises that I do with my clients, but one that's a really easy thing to do in terms of coming up with content is go onto something like Quora, uh, Quora.com, you know, that like question, yeah, the question site, the question site yeah. right in your, um, your niche, your thing, and see what people are asking questions about. You can even tick, you know, last hour or last week, see what people are asking and then create content that solves that problem or ask people, you know, just start to ask people. Don't guess, don't create content based on a guess. Don't create content which is just um, willy-nilly. There has to have structure behind it. Documented content can come more willy-nilly because you become so into your, because you've got that power of that clarity of niche. When you start to live your niche and live your one thing, you get inspired all the times, you get thoughts, you have conversations all the time. On the, I had a conversation with this girl on the train the other day who was a geography teacher and she wants to build her brand to basically become this insanely cool geography person who travels the world and does all of these interviews and does the things to teach geography a bit more interesting. Yeah. And I was talking to her and I was thinking, I'd even realise that my programme could be applicable to teachers because um, I'm so living it. I'm talking about it all the time. So... In terms of the kind of rules of content, I think uh, I really advise once you've got that idea of those questions and what people want to know is following the 80-20 rule of making 80% of it useful and solving those problems and keeping 20% of your content in that kind of inspiring or interesting or funny place uh, until you're 
pretty well known. People aren't usually that interested about uh, your recent holidays and things like that. And yeah. that's where people can fall into. They go, yeah, Hannah, uh, but social media blogs don't bring in any customers for me. And I'm like, they're an accountant and they're writing about their summer holiday in Cornwall. And I'm like, there's a bit of a mismatch here. So I do recommend following that 80-20% rule as you're growing your brand. And then as you obviously get more well-known, people are going to be more interested in you as a, as a bigger picture and a bigger story. Um, so in terms of that's kind of how I come up with my strategy in terms of actually creating the content I do um, I follow very much the batching uh, mentality so essentially um, I know that I block out a time I do 8 till 11 on a Tuesday Uh, every Tuesday I try to do it uh, at least every other Tuesday where I create a huge amount of my content maybe it's going to be filming videos or writing blogs or creating kind of the things I'm going to put out on social media and I block that time out I set an intention that it's going to be my creative time put my phone on airplane mode I do not open my emails and I focus in on, on creating my content in that way. And I actually do a combination of all content because at the moment I'm trying to work out what is best engaging my audience and what, what is best working for them. Um, some people like video, some people like written, some people like short posts, some people like just audio um, and working out what best works for them. So I would say the best place to start is look at the type of content, Have give them all a go. You will immediately know which one you like because you'll know which one you want to do first. So I'll say to people, go out and record some audio, go out and take some photos, go out and record um, a video, uh, record a video and go out and write a blog. And they'll immediately go, oh, and I'll go, which one do you not want to do? And I said, well, don't do that one. Just do the one you like doing. Which, which one excites you? But is that sometimes because they find it the hardest thing to do? Can be, but we'll, we, we, I would delve into that. But I still don't think that when you're building a brand, you necessarily, there's a certain amount of challenging that you want to give yourself in terms of, you know, challenging doing things. But at the same time, you don't want to push someone so far out of their comfort zone because they quit. Um, so you've got to keep it light. And usually people get, I find that people will get there on their own. Most people are scared of video, for example, because they haven't got clarity of what they would talk about. Right. So, okay. So that's, that's, I love, I love how you set aside the time. I, I do that for learning actually mm. um, and I, I have a period of time because one of my joys is coding I know that sounds very sad and dull to many no, people no it doesn't sounds but, cool but I, I do that to learn new stuff mm-hmm. I always want to be challenging myself to break through another layer yeah which is crucial yeah and so right now I'm building Alexa skills which is great fun um, and there's you know, a small world of that right now I mean five years time everyone and their dog will write an Alexa skill it'll be so easy but I won't no why is that well i might i might help work with somebody else who might write but i will not be coding an i i think the 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 alexa skills another way in the personal branding armory so you talked oh absolutely but i am not a believer that we should have all the skills that we need to build a brand right i'm definitely a believer we need to lean into what we're good at and what we like okay and and outsource or partner with people who are good at the other things okay now look we've we've talked about the content what how do you choose the channels i worry for me that i'm i've got what i call a shotgun mentality so i literally spray the web with content because i'm you know i'll do this podcast um, so this will be a podcast of the radio show and then it'll go all right so i'll hit itunes i'll hit soundcloud i'll hit all the other places yeah but also i'll promote it across the three big ones twitter facebook and linkedin yeah right and i just i'm hitting and hoping rather than knowing because the problem is i don't know if the audience 
wants to reach me in a certain way. And so how do you advise clients where and what channel to go for? So firstly, um, again, it starts with questions. So I'm getting free consultancy here, by the way. This is um, brilliant. So I, it always starts with questions. So the first question I'd ask yourself is, which one do you naturally like the most? If you could only work on one or one or two, then I would ask your audience where they spend their time. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean which one do they like the most or which one do they believe they should tell you they spend the rest of their time. Ask them where they spend their time because I have had a lot of people tell me that they spend their time on LinkedIn and when I'm with them, all they're on is Instagram. So, you know what I mean? Like, maybe be on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. where they actually yeah. are. So, like, I am quite active on LinkedIn, but it's very, like... It's very intentional. It's like I go on there to do. I've never scrolled on LinkedIn. It's if I'm going to engage, I'll set time aside to engage with people and communicate with people. But if you want to catch me somewhere where I'm scrolling, it's going to be my Instagram or Facebook feed. Not that I spend a huge amount of time scrolling, but um, that's where you would want to be, even though you might think, oh, business, blah, 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 LinkedIn. So it's ask them, which first of all, look at which one you like um, and you would you know enjoy. And then... Um, which one are they on? Then I would say you need to ask yourself and be very honest with yourselves. What are your beliefs around that platform? Because everybody, we've all picked up a lot of negative beliefs, a lot of limiting beliefs. Well, we talked about a few minutes ago. Which we've just spoken about. Make sure, because if you go into that platform with any form of hate or fear or frustration, you will not succeed on it because I'm telling you that there are millions of people who don't feel that way about that platform. So if somebody comes and they go, I hate Instagram, but I'll just use that. I'm thinking, well, either... We're not going to do that. We're not going to use Instagram and we're not going to use social media at all. Or we're going to have to delve into why you have such a big issue around this platform. So I, before you do anything, look at the beliefs you've got around that platform because the beliefs you have dictate the behavior that you then bring to that platform. Once you've done those things, um, and you, th- that'll give you a good idea, I suggest picking a primary platform and maybe having one or two in your secondary platform, but having a primary where you really you, you are your best. Um, the thing that you love the most. And that often does come down to what type of content you like to create and then become the absolute best at that platform in your niche. So put all of your time into it. And absolutely, I also do things like scheduling content, which goes across all platforms because that's a really good way to build a brand and keep yourself out there. But if you want me in terms of in my my best state and my best focus, then there are specific platforms to go to. And I always just direct people to them. So if someone says me on LinkedIn, I go, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty active on there and it's a good place to contact me. But if you want my my truth and, and who I really am, then you want to be, you know, in my Facebook group group and uh, or you know follow me on instagram yeah i mean i I wrote a post recently which was facebook groups because i have one on uh facebook (laughs) um sam talks technology but that shouldn't be there that should be on linkedin right i'm i'm really disappointed with linkedin that i can't create the facebook group which is a business group but you know why why because no one's doing it so why would linkedin no one's putting in the need for that so there's no pain point for linkedin to adapt their group platform but but there is it's just they're not listening so the point is you've got a facebook group i've got a facebook group tiffany st james got a facebook group i could go on there's numbers of my friends who've got facebook groups which are business groups they're not personal friend groups i'm not creating sam talks technology technology with 20 of my close buddies they're people who are friends who are business yeah. people right but if if a platform and these people aren't stupid if a platform isn't adapting to what you think it means because there's not enough demand of it so you've got to create the demand um yes but but 
but if they don't, it, it's a bit like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Uh, I've already spoken to the LinkedIn product managers. And they're just not seeing it because they don't spend any time on Facebook. So no, they don't because there's no demand for it. I, yet. I disagree. I think there is. But no a one's demand. doing it. We, but we are doing it. You and I just said we have Facebook groups. Yeah, because but, Facebook works for me. I don't need a LinkedIn group. Ah, but I would rather. Right. So, so I would have one and build an absolutely huge one and build all that demand and make everybody absolutely. on your show move to LinkedIn groups, and then LinkedIn are going to feel the demand and start doing. But something I can't about create it. a LinkedIn group. That's the problem. Why not? It doesn't exist. You yeah, can't. I'm in loads of them. No, they're not. You can't create a branded LinkedIn group in the way that you can on Facebook. I'm definitely in some. Okay, I will look at this again. I'm, I'm definitely in some like personal branding, branding groups of other people's and in some okay. entrepreneur groups. UK so either I've missed this or it's not doing what I want it to do. So I'll have a look at it. Because I know that you can create um, a company structure, a page, a personal profile, and you can create... Uh, Posts and you can create stories, okay? No, you can create groups. Okay, well, I'll have a look. I'm not saying the platform will be necessarily as good as Facebook, but what I'm saying is put the, put the demand in this. Just look at the solution, not the problem. Like, they, they, these platforms will adapt for what people are using them for. So I would say if you want to have a LinkedIn group, then absolutely start one. They are definitely there. Okay, I, I'm going to have a look at it closer. I, it's never something that's come across. I've never joined a, a LinkedIn group. Great opportunity then, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe it is. Sounds like an amazing opportunity. Just like LinkedIn Lives have only just... LinkedIn Live is pretty much the best way to get your message out at the moment because it's so new. Okay. Um, that not many people are doing it. So the thing is, is that these tools, obviously, they learn algorithm algorithms that basically the more popular something gets, the tool then learns the algorithm to then put... Um, to make it harder to be seen on that platform because that's obviously how they make their money. So um, while, when something new or a new feature comes out, that's the best time to jump on it because yeah, they've yeah. not learned the algorithm yet to hide your stuff. Yeah, they're also in beta, just so everyone's aware. They've got uh, newsletters coming out. So a friend of mine, Martin Bryan, who's a uh, journalist, he's got his own newsletter now on LinkedIn. So you can invite people into your private newsletter. Oh, wow. Yeah, they've just started. Yeah, That's cool. they're, they're not pushing it out. So Martin sent me and I joined it. And I went, oh, Martin, how do I create one? He went, oh, not yet, mate. It's a private I think, beta. I think they're really trying LinkedIn. And I think it's really cool. Like, people are being more honest on there. People are sharing personal stories. Like, I think they're really trying. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that frustrate me. So I'll give you an example. On Facebook groups, I could take the podcast of this show and I can basically put the whole podcast up as a... As a file, yeah, yeah upload so it, So like yeah. 200 meg, right, onto Facebook groups. Yeah. I can only put 10 minutes onto LinkedIn. So yeah. on LinkedIn, I have to put a link out of LinkedIn rather than host it within LinkedIn. On Twitter, I can only put two minutes. And it's, it's these limitations of the platforms that frustrate me, where what I'd really want to do... See, for me, Facebook now... But if is, they all did all the same thing, they'd all become the same platform, they'd lose well, their niche. Well, yeah, so I've... I, well, in my head, this is how I treat them. So Facebook for me is now my close family and friends. That's really what I want it to be, right? I don't want it to have any work association. I really don't. I would Because what I find frustrating is I will connect with some really cool person who then wants to join my Facebook group, but they also then want to become my friend. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, I don't know you in a social context. Yeah. I don't want you to be looking at pictures of my holiday and my kids and my, you know, talk, me talking about what's going on in Cookham Dean or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's a different group of people, right? So, I, so the way that the, the Facebook group tends to grow, mine anyway, is that somebody 
here's a podcast and wants to join, but then they want to become my friend. And I go, well, and then I feel like I'm being really rude by going, well, no, actually, that's not who you are because I don't want you to be my social friend. Sounds like a lot of thinking. You can just press no. No, but it, it's, it, I can press no, of course, but then, then you've got to the point where that person's going, well, I've just requested to be your friend. And you feel sort of... Whereas what I'd love to do is just go, right, LinkedIn's where my groups are, that's where all my yeah. action is, that's where my work... I get it. And I would happily... Because I, I tend to, you know, look at the requests I get on LinkedIn and go, actually, you know, you're, I don't know you, but your business requirements are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I will accept that request. Yeah. Or I will... Ju- so, unless the, the relationship doesn't have to be as deep, and I have deep relationships with some people, but yeah. some of them are, not, are new ones. But I don't want... I can't explain it better than that. that no, I, just, I understand what I you're saying. I mean, I always decline out. loads of people on Facebook. Right. And yeah, you decline really me as well. No, I don't I'm really, joking. I, don't think, I think I've got you on Facebook. <laughs> no, I was joking. I, um, I just delete them. I just yeah. decline. I don't really think much about it. Do, right. I, do I want them to be in my friend group? No, they usually pop up on LinkedIn anyway. A lot of people are just chancing it. You know, no one really thinks that. Oh, they no, probably I don't even that. notice. Like, you don't get a notification saying, Sam has declined your friend request. They're not even going to know. Yeah, yeah. They'll no, just I... find you in another way. True. If they okay. really need you. If they don't, then it's not that bit mad, not that important to them. I better harden up. Harden up, Mr. Sethi. Well, it's not so much hardening up. I think it's just not worrying about the quite... Uh, worrying about those kinds of things. Because what you're doing there is you're projecting what they feel because that's what you'd feel when actually they might not feel that you're guessing how they feel about being delete, declined I think I'm putting friend. myself in their shoes yes and I think it's good that we do do that but I think in a way what we can end up doing is actually overcomplicating quite simple things by overthinking them okay just uh, just just an alternative way to look at it I'm not saying there's a I'm not saying you're wrong by saying by thinking that in that way but um, you know I, if I delete someone on Facebook they find me on LinkedIn and they're like no one's ever that no one's upset about it. Yeah, no. I guess, I guess what I want is my tribe to be on LinkedIn and my friends to be on Facebook. And I yeah, no, I totally get that. And um yeah, what I tend to do is, you know, I have my own because obviously I'm into personal branding, so I have a you know, my personal branding Hannah Power page and I invite people to like that and join the group and I give them a huge amount of value and things like that in the group and then I just decline their friend requests and if they ask, I just say it's not, it's not really, you know, we're not friends yet. You know, let's become better friends. I put it on them. Okay. Um, so we're talking about channels and connecting. Now, one of the things I talked about with you earlier was, you know, how do, how do you scale hannahpower.com? How do you get... Code.uk. <laughs> Code.uk. You can't get the dot .com. Oh, who is she? Come on, get her off. I don't think it's even in use. It's just one of those things where it's like £20,000 to buy the domain because somebody oh. bought it. Like, I was bought hannahpower.co.uk by a family friend when I was probably about 12. Right. Um, and the family friend bought them for my brothers as well. But they, she couldn't get the dot .com for any of us. Yeah, I've got both my daughters in exactly the same way. Yeah. Their Twitter handles and their Facebook and their yeah. brand. Well, Twitter and Instagram and stuff, I have to be Hannah Ipower. Yeah. I have to have my middle name, which is I, in the middle, because I can't get Hannah Power pretty much anywhere. Yeah, that's it. us lot who got on there early. We got all what we wanted. No, I did. I did, because my parents got it for, sort of oh, all out for okay. me. But Hannah Power is actually quite a common name. Right. Apparently. Well, I, I don't I've know got a means. question for you later about that, but we'll come back to that. Right. Um, so, okay, let's let's look at it. I love that. So you've got this process, you've got personal branding, which I really do think is of the moment. I think it is something that people should consciously do and yeah. think about. Good stuff. Uh, and I think there is a positive element to it, as opposed to the typical passive element. Oh, it happens to me rather than consciously affecting it, which is what you're talking about. Yes, I'm not good at to me. <laughs> so... Going back to my question then, 
how does Hannah Power scale Hannah Power? Uh, how, what's next in terms of growing, you know, what you do? Because are you going to do one-to-many events? Are you going to do... How, how do... Yeah, so what I would do... I, I'll just start by reversing tiny bits. So um, Hannah Power is, is me, yeah? That's me as a core. That's me as a brand. Everything that I then do, every business that comes off of me is an extension of me, yeah? Every business that I do, it's going to come from my values. It's going to come from me. So I'm not saying that you wouldn't then have a business as well. It's just that you, if you start with your personal brand, a business then being extension of that, it then naturally has a personality. It's naturally aligned with you because you've already done all that work on yourself. Yeah. So I have other businesses which I actually don't really do any marketing for and they get business anyway because I have a personal brand and people come through me and see the other work that I do. Right. So it's not that I'm saying you only can have a personal brand based business i'm just saying you want to start there have it as your overarching and then have other things coming off it as an extension of that um because they are an extension of you because they're your businesses Fine. so um you don't there's not only one way um the way that hannah power as a, a brand and a business in terms of hannah power limited would scale um sorry my watch going off telling me to meditate um <laughs> um had a power scale is around building a, now, a really strong, um, essentially what I call like a, a variety of basically products. Um, so productizing the service of what I do. So my core program is this is a 90 day program, powerful leaders where I work one-to-one with my clients. Um, that's how I've proven I, I, I've proven the model. I've practiced the model. I've made it perfect. I know that it works. I then basically can turn that into a lots of different products. So I've just written a book that I finished on Sunday, which is that process. Yes. And what's the book called? The Power of You. Indeed. Um, I've then got... Um, a pro- Sorry, before we go, when do you think it's going to be out roughly? Uh, should be end of the year. Good. Yeah, I'll let just- you know. Um, then I could build out, you know, a, a, a programme which is an online programme, uh, you know, where people can, you know, take take modules and things like that online. And then you can build out, I might build out an event where they, people can come to for one day and go through this or two days. Um then build out a higher end product, you know, it's over a year long period. So you end up building out essentially like a product infrastructure from my free content up to a £10 book, up to a £100 program, up to a £1,000 thing, all the way up to a high model. And you essentially take people on a journey through that. So it becomes hugely scalable because you've got that core IP, that core thing that I'm known for. And people come in, maybe they want, maybe there are people with more uh, disposable cash. They want to go for the full one-to-one or there are people with, um, so I'm just launching a program which is going to launch October 1st where I'm doing a 30-day program. Everything we've talked about in 30 days, one challenge per day over 30 days, um, which is only going to be £197. So it's everything. My program at the moment that I do with clients is a lot more than that. This is a 30-day accelerator, daily challenge in a team of people. You're in an accountability group. You're really challenging each other. You're really pushing each other. um, And you're creating everything you need, really committed for 30 days to then give yourself years and years of results. Right. So I'm trialing out that model, for example. So I'm building out lots of different products for lots of different price points uh, to help people on their journey through basically building out that core IP of the Powerful Leaders Program, which is the steps we just went through. So, okay, so... I love what you're doing. Yeah. Let's take a little step. Before we go and talk about um, other businesses that you run, weren't you born to do this? I mean, your mum and dad are pretty famous. They started Academy. They're very well known in the industry. Were you not just born an entrepreneur? Isn't this a natural evolution that you, you... so the acorn never falls far from the tree? Yeah, so I would say it's a really interesting question. And actually... um, I spoke to somebody about this um, 
recently and actually about my kind of challenges around it which um and he actually had spoken to somebody who's the son of a very very i'm not going to say the name but a very very successful huge brand out there and he struggles with this as well of kind of being the son or the daughter of of much more famous than my parents son or daughter of um of somebody and how you know people just go yeah of course and you don't get to do it on your own merit and what i would say is first of all it doesn't really matter because that's just a that's an ego statement it doesn't matter it's irrelevant yeah um i would say that coming from entrepreneurial parents comes with fantastic positives but also fantastic or you know negatives as well because you've seen the truth from both sides so if your parents are doctors for example or lawyers or whatever the job might be you see the great stuff but you also see all the terrible stuff and that can also that can often put you off what you want to do which is why there are kids that often immediately follow in their parents footsteps or literally do the reverse because they're just they've seen both sides of yeah. it in a way that somebody who hasn't lived and breathed it since they were young so i you know, my parents first started Academy, which was a huge global success when I was six years old. So I've been going to networking events and shaking hands with adults and handing out badges and introducing my mum on stage since I was six. So I've traveled the world with them, but then I've also been through periods of time where we've lost everything. So yeah. I've seen it, the huge highs and also the huge lows. And um, for a long time, I associated entrepreneurialism in actually a fairly negative way. I actually thought that wasn't what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted something that was much more stable. I think probably for a bit, my parents probably wanted the same thing. So I did a law degree at Warwick and then I went into a corporate consulting firm and, you know, I very much planned to, to, to climb the ladder because I, I made a conscious decision that I didn't think that although I had natural entrepreneurial tendencies, I actually thought if I could apply those to the structure of a corporate, that could be really powerful. Um, I decided that that wasn't the path that I felt that I wanted to take. So I would say, when you say, did it come from my parents? The probably and, and my experiences growing up as a child, I would say absolutely it did. But I'm saying actually, I chose initially um, when I was you know younger to, to do the opposite. You know, I was doing internships at Barclays. I was spending my summers doing things that I thought I should do instead of things that I necessarily probably could have naturally leaned towards you know people always saying I always knew things like setting up e-commerce businesses I was always been very good at eBay and I always naturally was a business person but I very much pushed it down because I thought that wasn't really what I wanted to necessarily do because I had seen this the struggles with it um, and my peer group weren't in that space so my you know the law, the people I studied law with you know they weren't entrepreneurs they were lawyers and I thought that's maybe what I should be doing um but then you know after a while of basically not really being true to myself and picking up baggage and projecting stuff that wasn't really true, I realized that, you know, I wasn't really being true to myself and I didn't know what it was that I was about. So I quit everything and and moved to Bali with no plan, a laptop and five grand, which I thought was a lot, actually not very much money. No, it's not. Um, Once you paid for like flights and all these other things, actually not very much money and landed on a beach in Bali with a laptop and thought, well, what's what shall I do now? And I started to really just trust in my intuition and follow in what I, what I liked, what I wanted to do, who were the people I was moving towards, what things fascinated me, what things scared me in a way that stretched me. And I realized that I absolutely love entrepreneurialism and the impact that it has. And all of the stories I'd picked up as a child were just that stories. And actually I believe that being an entrepreneur and especially being an entrepreneur who is an expert in something in particular, rather than being a master of all trades, but picking a specialism that you really love. So for me, you know, personal branding for, you know, for passionate entrepreneurs, um, 
I think is the most fulfilling life, which can have the most impact, which puts you most, for me, puts me most in flow and gives me the ability to do give the most contribution to the world so it was a very conscious decision um after i started my first business in april last year which is you know i've not been an entrepreneur for that long i i i had i had a moment where i was riding as my scooter through the rice paddies of bali and i realized that this was exactly what i was meant to do but i think i had resisted it for a while and i think everyone goes on their own journey of maybe trying to move into who they truly are and what they truly want because of all the stories and the baggage they've picked up from their peers from their parents from whoever and you and it's our job to work through that and see the truth cool so i love how you how you chose that rather than let it just happen to you yeah i mean i think we can you know a lot of us can go through life fairly subconscious unconsciously subconsciously whatever and just let things happen and then wonder why they ended up that way. But every single day when I wake up in the morning, I know that my life is on my terms and I have a commitment every single day to to truth, to faith and to growth and taking responsibility for my life. Good. We're going to have a bit of a music track. Lovely. We need a little mental break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your other passion, your jewellery business Fantastic. that you've got. But which tracks we have? Would you like One Republic or Jack Garrett? Um, I think Jack Garrett would be good for here, Okay. Yeah. Why Jack Garrett? I don't know. I just think the song's... It's called Surprise Yourself. I think it's about, I guess, surprising... You might surprise yourself if you look inside, I guess. All right. I like it. I've never heard this one, so oh, it's I'm going to enjoy it. This is Jack Garrett and Surprise Yourself. We'll be back shortly.
Jack Garrett and surprise yourself. Did you enjoy that? The bit you did hear when I wasn't talking to you? Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> very lovely. Uh, okay, we're fast approaching the end of the show even. Can you Can, believe it? I know, it went very fast. Um, but before we do, I, there's so much more we've got to talk about. So, can we talk about your jewellery business? Absolutely. What's it called first? Let's start with that. It's called Sedahana. And what does Sedahana mean? So Sedahana means simple in Indonesian, which is when I lived in Bali, it's where I started the business. So, And strangely, it has your name in it. Yes, which was a fantastic piece of excitement because I was thinking about I wanted to start this business, which was all around simple jewellery with meaning that had impact, um, that was, you know, very kind of ethically created, but was just simple. No, just no fuss, just quite basically, you know, but stylish. And I was on the phone to one of my friends. I was on like a FaceTime to like catch up with a friend in England. She was like, I wonder what simple is in like a different language because she speaks Spanish and uh, Italian. Right. So I got the phone and I put it into Google Translate in Indonesian and she said Sedahana and I was like... So I just grabbed the waiter and I was like, how do you pronounce this? Like, what does this mean? He goes, oh, Sedahana, like simple. It wasn't even like some people pronounce it Sedahana. I don't know why, but it's actually is Sedahana, uh, which a lot of my friends find funny because they call it, oh, yeah, simple Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got very excited about that. So that is why it's called Sedahana. And, um, okay, so why did you start this business give me give me the short story yeah so the short story is um i just have always loved having i've always like loved jewelry i've always loved that kind of concept of kind of changing up i quite like quite simple out clothes so i think it was just always having that stylish thing also i like the fact that when i was brought up like people often had stories to do with pieces you know there's the wedding ring or there's the charm bracelet and i've always liked the story around jewelry um but I could never really find jewellery which I thought was like stylish, um, but had a bit of meaning behind it. I didn't just want to buy a necklace, which meant very little. I wanted it to mean something, but also look good, whereas sometimes those two things don't come together. And then my best friend had this necklace that I was obsessed with um, and I wanted it, but they didn't have it anymore in the style. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to make one. Um, and then I found a jeweller to make this necklace and it was really fun. I wore it and everyone was like, oh, I really like your necklace. And then I was like, oh, so I've kind of had this desire to have all this jewellery. I've had some made, people like it. Why don't I just turn it into a business? And that's when I was sat on my phone and wrote the idea and found up the name. And I was like, done. 
<laughs> so that's the short story. Brilliant. Okay, so let's look to the future of Hannah. Yep. Uh, one question I asked you earlier. Big question. Well, no, it was, it was the question about the fact that, you know, you're about personal branding. Yeah. Um, power is a great name, but you might get married one day. Oh, yeah. Would you ever, would you ever change the name? Um, yeah, so as I said, I've never been in a, in a relationship where I would think I was going to marry that person. So I've never had those thoughts in terms of what ifs in terms of what I would do with my name. It's just never really come into my mind. So um, obviously being a power is very important to me. So at the moment, I can't imagine ever wanting to lose the name. But as I said, I, I don't know what the future would hold. So it's a difficult name to double barrel, as I said. So I can't imagine doing like a... A, 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 one of my best friends called Emma Ranger and we used to have a joke that we would do um, if our, <laughs> she has a younger sister and I have a younger brother and we used to want them to get married and have Power Ranger um, but apart from that I, I really don't know but I will you know I'll always be and very proud to be a power so it'll be interesting maybe he'll take your name <sighs> I can't really imagine that well it's happening it does days. happen yeah I don't know maybe I mean I guess we'll see it's not that important to I, me I, really but al- although I would say on the other on the other hand my wife who's not my wife I call her that we, we're not married but and yeah we, we just decided we didn't want the marriage thing but that's it yeah I mean I love I do love having the name power and I you know I use it a lot you know my book's called The Power of You my program's called Powerful Leaders um, I, which I, is why I don't think you could ever lose yeah, that yeah and, and, and I do very much use the word power is very very important to me and I'm very family orientated as well my immediate family you know the power family the four of the five of us four plus me you know, that, that's my favourite thing in the whole world. So I can't imagine ever not wanting to have the same name as all of them because none of them are going to lose the name. No. So, yeah, two yeah. brothers and mother. Yeah. Yep, yep. You're the only one who could lose it if you ever did. Yeah. So, okay, um, looking a little bit further to the future, mm-hmm. um, in, in the world that we're living in now, I think, you know, personal branding is going to be important because we, we are seeing the work environment change. Do you think... Uh, if you were advising the 20-year-old you again, you know, would you do the same degree? Would you even do a degree now? Would you just go straight into the world of... So I first started investing in my personal brand consciously when I was 19. So... And the reason I did that was because I was doing a degree. I, this was this was quite unconscious because I, I didn't really realise that you could do two things that you... So I thought, I don't like my degree, so I'm going to build my brand around stuff I really liked, which was around sort of kind of quite a weird blend at the time, but I was kind of the stuff I was interested in, which was very much kind of like technology, food and fashion. It was quite random mix. <laughs> so it wasn't very niched. Um, so would I change anything I've done? Absolutely not, because you can't do that. It's got you to where you are. Um, what I would suggest is... I did law because I loved it and I was fascinated by it, but I didn't do enough. I was a bit of a, I guess, I didn't really take anyone's advice from the outside. Everyone told me not to do law. All my teachers told me not to do law because they knew I'd find it boring, which I did. And um, not that it is necessarily boring to everybody. It wasn't in my flow. So I would say just if you're doing something you don't like or you're doing something you do like, build your brand. That's the easiest way out of it or the easiest way to get better at it. So for me, that was how I got out of it because I had a strong enough brand that actually helped me get my job at Accenture, helped me get my internship because I was active online. I was passionate. People could see what I was about. They put me on roles which involved branding type roles and things like that. So it helped me to get to where I am anyway. Um, But if you like something or you don't like it, build your brand about the thing you love. Just just start writing about it. It feels fantastic. If you're bored in your everyday life or you're not fulfilled or you are, just write about the thing you really love or share content or do whatever you want because 
you cannot over niche. There are people needing your stuff. I yeah. mean, there's a guy in the States I recently heard about and I can't actually find the case study. And I heard this on a training program where he's running a six figure business teaching people how to draw squirrels. Wow. Okay. Which is very niche. That's very, very niche. And he's got running six figure business. There is, there is a, people want, people want stuff out there. There's, Russell Brunson, who I mentioned before, he started his, his business and, and his journey and brand by teaching people how to build potato guns. Sorry? Yeah. Russell Brand. Russell Brunson. Oh, Brunson, sorry. Brunson, yeah, Russell Brunson said... in the States. Right. The entrepreneur. So, you know, potato just start. Guns. Just okay. do the thing you love and just start and, and see what happens. You might surprise yourself. So it's exciting. Cool. So um, one of the things that um, worries me a lot is what my children will do next. Obviously, as a parent, that's, that's one of the things you do. What should I start to advise my daughter? You've said start with a passion. I don't feel that she's got a passion. How do I, how do I get her to find that passion? She's 19. She's just at uni. She's doing the degree that uh, we jokingly say they didn't know what to do degree, which was marketing and business, because she just heard that her parents did marketing and business. We haven't found or seen that spark in her yet. How do I get her to find that? How do I sit her down? Do I stick her on a course with you? Do I, do I say, right? You could. You could put her on a course with a coach. Absolutely. I think coaching and mentoring is fantastic. She might find some, someone she admires and talk to them. I think that's a fantastic thing to do as a, as a parent, to offer to invest in spending time or money on things they really love so it could it could be um it could be a mentor it could be something really random in all honesty if you just sat take her on a walk after if you just listened i'm not saying you don't do this but a lot of people say this to me they're like mike is this mike is that i'm like do you actually just listen to them without speaking trying to fix it trying to give ideas do you just listen to them just listen I'm sure there are things in there which they... And just encourage them to lean towards that, what they love. A lot of people think they don't have a spark because they think the thing they love isn't a thing. So, well, that's not a thing. I can't do that. That's not a job. That's not this. That's not that. If you lean into the thing you love, it's where the, the magic happens. And you're not going to know unless you just take that step back and just relax. Everyone's got something they love. It's just we've got to uncover it. Yeah, uh, uh, and it's a journey to find it. It is a journey. It is. And putting people in... A lot of the time, young people, I think, don't have a spark because they're in a peer group where it's almost like... You so feel like you need to fit. It's just literally like... It's biology. You need to fit into a tribe. So you sort of don't want to put your head above. You don't want to do anything that's different. When you take a step back or you put yourself into a tribe of people who a different, you know, maybe an older audience or, you know, a, a group of people or a, or a networking group, whatever it might be, or hiring a mentor or a coach, whatever it might be, you put them into a space where they can be truer to themselves because the people there are being truer to themselves. And it's cool now to be true to yourself. It's not necessarily cool as a kid to be true to yourself. It's cool to fit in. Put them in a place where other people are being true to themselves, even if it's not exactly what Every, exactly what they're going to do just the act of you stepping up and being true to yourself inspires other people to do the same it's a fantastic quote by Marianne Williams which um, I love which is around by by being who we are we inspire others to do do the same right so it's just maybe changing that that group of people that she's spending her time with and that and that stuff that she's hearing yeah I mean I, I recognize certain strengths that, that she has and um we're giving her the book Strength Finder and, and we, we're trying to get her to start to think about it. But I think actually, like you have a fitness coach, I think a personal branding coach, somebody who 
could inspire them who isn't their parents i think might be a good way for her to go forward yeah i think a lot of the thing that i do on all of these in all my content all my program all of these kind of things that these you know these talks and stuff like that is just telling people that there's an alternative way to look at things you don't have to look at it the way that you've been told to, the way that your parents have, your friends do, whatever. There's an alternative way to look at things and you don't have to do what everyone's done and j- just to, to look exactly, like you said, at an alternative way. And a lot of the stuff that I do when I speak to my friends, they don't know what I do. I go for lunch with them. They ask me what I do. Not many of them, I have to say. Not many of my friends are that interested in what I do, I have to say. <laughs> that's just the nature of when you're really passionate about something that's quite niche. I explain to them what I do they say, oh, and they start to put their own examples and they say, oh, so like I could do this. And I'm like, exactly. And they're like, well, I could just do that. And I'm like, is that the thing you really love and you think you're really good at? And that people really need to hear that because you've often the thing you want to do is the stuff that you're Googling and you can't find the answers to. That's where most good blogs and vloggers and stuff come from. So if you start asking these questions and I've got a list of these questions that you could just ask yourself to start to work out, you know, is your personal brand, is it personal brand for you? Um, You can start to uncover things just by asking the right questions. It all comes down to the right questions. So what coach is? Yes. Okay. So, will you ever go back to Bali? Oh, yes, I'm going back in January. I mean, permanently. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, I don't really like to... I, I can't control the world. I can't control the future in front of me. I can control so the now. So, you live by serendipity? I wouldn't say serendipity. I just... I just am as intentional and truthful as I can be in the moment and set clear goals ahead of me that I know that I want to achieve that that push me but don't panic me and then I kind of see what I'm what what calls me and what feels like the right thing to do at the time so maybe I will maybe I won't I don't know I loved your mum's quote when you went to Bali my umbilical cord's been stretched as far as it could go yeah, I could have gone to Australia. Though, <laughs> yeah, she didn't. I don't think she could go that far. Um, yeah, but I think, I think mum, mum's very good at the. You know, if you love someone, set them free. If they come back, they're meant to be. And you know, I spent a year, over a year, living in Bali, and now I, my mum, I live a mile from my mum. Yeah, I mean, I still, because <laughs> I'm friends with your parents. It was quite funny. I saw that as when you were going the umbilical cord one, and then the, when they met you back at the airport, it was even funnier. It's like your parents were just desperate to be there for you. Yeah, and I'm very, you know, I am extremely fortunate because, you know, you know, I have, I'm from a, a wonderful family and wonderful parents and I, you know, I, I'm grateful every day for that. I think if you can start to look at the things you're grateful for and, and something I learned and I've just been practicing it so easy is at the end of every day, just look back on your day and think of three things you're grateful for. Really, really specific. Nice. Like so that. like sometimes it's like there's this peanut butter I'm obsessed with called Pippa Nut and it's just like my favorite thing I eat because I eat quite a ketogenic diet. You do, I don't eat sugar and stuff. I um, Sometimes I'm just so grateful that it exists because it gives me such a moment of joy sometimes it's way bigger you know sometimes it might you know it might just be tonight i might reflect on you know this once i've reflected on this conversation as i drive home something you said i'm you know i'm really grateful for this opportunity to talk to you if you spend every day just three things tiny things somebody who held the door for you somebody who passed you something somebody who smiled at you on the train if you start to do three a day you start to focus on what you've what you've got what you're lucky to have, the other stuff starts to flow because you're moving to that state of abundance of what you've got, not what you haven't got. And then the questions start being answered. Hannah? It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yes, and you too. Now, where can people find you? Remind them. Yeah, so I guess the best place to find me in terms of my favourite platform would be Instagram. So that's Hannah I Power. Um, that's kind of, yeah, where I am mostly, I would say. Our website is hannahpower.co.uk or you can Google me, I guess. Um, and if you type in personal, powerful personal branding on Facebook, you'll find my group. And that's where I give most of my kind of guidance and free help as much as I can. So if that's something, if anything we've spoken about on here, the group would be a good place to go. Okay. 
And um, I've tried to find your TEDx. It's not, uh, it's not live yet. Why, why not? Because they have to go through a process of editing and then uploading to TED and then TED has to approve it. Who's TED? <laughs> I want to know who this TEDx, is. I don't know. No. So they have to approve it through a variety of things and then it goes live. So it usually takes like six to eight weeks and it was only a month ago. So Must have been a magic moment doing that with your mum. Or was it scary? It was. I have to say, there were. it was, um, I think, you know, when you... I, I find speaking very much the thing that I'm quite in flow doing. It's the thing I enjoy doing. So of all the things I do, it's probably the thing that I'm the most excited about. And my dream is to do the, basically that all the time. Like Tony Robbins, you know, he was doing a, a, a speech a day to get to where he is. And like, I'm reading that and I'm going, that's my heaven. Whereas other people, my friends are like, that's my worst nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, but when I got there... And yeah, I'd like to do a podcast today. Yeah. So um, I guess when I got, when I got there and everyone has different approaches I'm quite calm you know people are cramming their speech notes and I've never been like that you know I didn't take notes to exam halls so I think I found the pressure when I got there of other people's energies around their own their own stuff I had to really pull into my own energy and into my own truth and was nerve-wracking actually but it was fantastic actually it was really it was really fantastic and the feedback you know it, it is lovely to to get the positive feedback and and to really know that you're you're doing what you're meant to be doing for me the best part of all of it is when someone speaks to you after and you helped them in some way or you helped to flip a switch, flick a switch. Even if one person listening to this today had a switch that flipped, to me, that's that's everything. And and that's, that's why I love speaking because you get that instant feedback and you get it from somebody who's passionate and feeling something. So, um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. I definitely do recommend it to anybody who's keen to... You, just, you can just Google TEDx, you can apply to ones. Like, it's not that elusive you okay. can't apply to them well it's good that you did it okay uh thank you hannah it's been brilliant thank you sam that show was amazing to listen again please visit our website marlofm.co.uk or visit our facebook group sam talks technology and now you can subscribe on itunes never miss a show again see you next week same time same place